Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangroofern.com www.kangroofern.com For our next speaker, he produces 20-plus podcasts a week for his clients, including Plutus award-winning podcasts such as The Stacking Benjamin Show and Afford Anything. He also created the Podcast Editors Club, which has more than 6,500 members, and co-created the Podcast Editor Academy, a membership site with tons of resources for other podcast editors. Please welcome Steve Stewart. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is my first overseas presentation, so I am honored to be part of the Australasia Pod Fiesta. And today I'm going to talk about how to outsource the pain of podcast editing. I've been editing podcasts since 2016 for other people now, and I've grown a community of it, so I feel like there's something I can offer here that's going to help you if you want to get some of that pain and some of your life back. What I'd also like to do is, if you can, in the chat right now, I want you to tell me, if you edit podcasts for other people, type in that you're a podcast editor. Say, I'm a podcast editor. If you're a podcaster, type in, I'm a podcaster. I'd love to see you guys connect in the chat as I'm going through this presentation. So once again, if you can do that, go into the chat, type in if you're a podcast editor for other people or if you're a podcaster. And then let's get into how to outsource the pain of editing podcasts. The objectives for this session, I'm going to give you right up front. What editors do for you, how to work with an editor, what to ask for, I mean, what can you ask an editor to do for you, and what you should not do. There will be some other stuff in here as well, but that's the big stuff that we're going to be trying to accomplish today. The reasons to hire an editor, first and foremost, is time. I did an impromptu poll a few months back, and the answers were always consistent. People would spend about eight hours of their time working on their podcast from start to finish, and 25 to 50% of that time was spent editing the audio, if they edited it at all. And I think there's a benefit to editing the audio. You're polishing something that's going to make your show sound better than the, than the show that's similar that doesn't. That's a big, big reason to outsource the pain of podcast editing. The second is skills. A podcast editor should make your show sound better than you could. Uh, if they've got the skills and they're focusing their time and energy on the skill, the craft that they do, they're going to make it sound better. So you get the added benefit of having somebody else do a better job than you can. I mean, you can spend the hours and learn yourself, master the skills yourself. Then if you do, why don't you become a podcast editor for other people too? <laughs> and then credibility. Think about this. If you're about to interview somebody and you say, hey, by the way, my producer Steve, my editor Steve, is going to be able to take up any mistakes that I make, and if you want to stop and re-answer a question, whatever, that's not a problem. What does your guest think of when you say you've got an editor? They think you're like high society people. You're, you're professional. You are taking this seriously. So you build credibility by hiring an editor. How do you work with a podcast editor? One is you share your files with your editor. Now, there's a few ways you can do that. I prefer Dropbox. Google Drive works almost the same way. 
You can also do a service like WeTransfer, which is just a way to send files to them. Um, there's other ways as well. But that's the tactical way of, of sharing files. You record them. Uh, you share the files with them. It's pretty simple, actually. And I would recommend that for the organizational structure, especially if you've got a Google Drive or Dropbox that you share with them, have a subfolder for each episode because that's going to help you to stay organized. It's going to help you to be able to um, provide all the information to them. It could even be like a visual checklist for yourself. You can put in the uh, show notes. You can put in, you know, if you do episode artwork, all that stuff can go into this folder, and it's organized. It's separate. So you got episode one, episode two, episode three. And then, of course, communicate. How do you communicate with your editor? You can do it through email. That's most common. You can do it through Facebook Messenger. You can do it through Slack. I have about nine Slack channels that <laughs> that I'm in. It's crazy. But that's how we communicate sometimes. If they need something, they send me a Slack message, and I just respond right back to them in Slack. Emails, just as good. What an editor does for your show, because that's really the key. If you're going to have an editor work on your show for you, they're going to improve the audio and the performance. Not only do they you know, take out the noise, they cut out the full pause, maybe you do a little bit of uh, pre-show chit-chat, or maybe there's a time in the show where you got to stop, regroup yourself, whatever. Take out the ums, that's a big one, uh, and level the volume. I'm surprised still today that shows have a problem with keeping their volume constant. Things are recorded with different volumes. That happens all the time. That's a given. But to have them go out that way just seems like a mystery to me because there's so many tools you can use to amplify the volume. Some are automated that it, it's almost a no-brainer. But you wouldn't have to mess with that if you hire an editor. They should also assemble the episode for you. So they're going to put all the pieces together, your music, your bumpers, your stingers, your pre-recorded voiceover, your uh, pre-recorded ads, whatever you can do. They should be able to assemble that all for you. And, of course, mix it together down to an MP3 and provide that back to you. Or maybe, like I do for my clients, if they want me to, I'm going to upload it to their media host form. And there's there's ways to do that pretty simply. And even not by giving out their uh, their login passwords to you. So that's really good. The benefit here is it's taken all that, that time away from you sitting at your computer editing and producing the show, giving that back to you so you can focus on more things. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Of course, the big question is, okay, so I've, I've got a, an editor. Obviously, it's going to cost something. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But how do you pay your podcast editor? This is variable here because... They could, they could be charging you per release. I know some editors who every time they release an episode, they're sending them a PayPal invoice. Uh, or they might do it by week, just by calendar week, or per month. Uh, I have a per-month package fee for some of my clients, and I have other clients who pay per episode, but I only invoice them once a month. And it's just the way I do it. Or it might be a package deal. Uh, if it's a you know, launch package, if it's a... You know, hey, you're you're the podcaster. You want to hire an editor. Let's say Joe is going to edit your show for you, and you hire them. You say, here, I've got ten episodes. What'll it cost? Maybe they'll give you a bulk deal as well. Just like going to Costco, right? Do you have Costco over in Australia? I don't know. Uh, through their invoicing system is how you normally pay. Now, some people will just say, hey, send me PayPal. Okay, most of us know how to do that. But professional editors are going to use a tool to keep their books in line because this is a business. Uh, QuickBooks, FreshBooks, Wave Apps, they have ways to actually invoice you and have you just click a button and it'll say, okay, how do you want to pay? 
it just makes that process easier. So that's one of the, another way of how you pay your editor. And then there's the other ways, the Venmos, the Zelle, um, Wise, which was TransferWise, uh, just changed recently, um, and paper check. Um, I still have a couple clients send me paper checks, and it's cool. I think it's pretty neat to get a paper check because there's no processing fees that come out of that. What not to do, though, because this is the key. If you've got an editor and you want to work with them, you can't assume more than what you've agreed upon. You, you, you enter an agreement, you can't assume more than what you've agreed upon. And, well, let me get to the scope creep in a minute, but a good, a good podcast editor is going to do their job, but they're not mind readers. We aren't mind readers. A good editor is going to ask you what you want, but if there's something that they're not asking you because they don't know to ask it, then provide them information. That's fine. Also, don't expect more than what, uh, you know, to provide them more minutes of audio. You don't want to, um, you know, expect more than what you've agreed upon. I, I've said that three times now. It's really important because scope creep is a real deal. I have clients all the time say, oh, my show's going to be about 20 minutes. And then after a couple of months, they start sending me 30, 35-minute recordings. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is not what we agreed upon. And we have a discussion. Be ready for that because they should have a discussion with you if you're going to hire out this stuff and all of a sudden now you're expecting them to write your show notes when there wasn't any kind of conversation about that. And then pay late. Of course, don't pay late. I mean, people like to eat. <laughs> they like to get paid. And you like to get paid your paycheck. They like to get paid as well for the, pro the service that they're providing to you. And this is the key now if they do fail you. This is how they will fail you. See, I'm telling you the good stuff and the bad stuff. How they fail you, they miss deadlines. That's a bad problem. If you provided them the files long enough in advance, they shouldn't miss the deadlines if they've agreed that, oh, three business days, no problem. If they make multiple mistakes, of course, give them some grace. If they make some mistakes, point it out to them, say, hey, this is a problem. Let them fix it. They should, they should be willing to fix it. And if they don't communicate you, with you, that's a problem. They fail you if they're not communicating with you. They should at least communicate with you. Hey, it's all done. Let me know if you have any questions. That's a simple, you know, email or a Slack message. They fail you if, you know, and you want to communicate in writing if there's a problem here as well because you want to keep track of your conversations. I've had conversations before with people, and I, I go back to them later to say, did I, did I talk to this person about this thing? I can't remember. It's just so much easier to search through email because, you know, Gmail is fantastic. You can do lots of searches in there. And it just it finds stuff for me that I forgot was even in there. So if they're failing, talk to them. And if they prefer written communication, make sure you put it all out in writing. Uh, capture it in email is probably the easiest way to go. And give them a second chance. Like I said earlier, give them grace. A good editor is going to try to make it up to you. Now here's the question. How do you find a good editor? Well, if you see that URL at the bottom of the screen, that's the easiest way, I think, to find an editor without getting hammered in Facebook groups or raising your hand saying, hey, I'm looking for an editor. Don't do that. Trust me, don't do that. Uh, a couple ways you could search Google, of course. You could use freelance sites like Upwork. I've had people tell me they, got, they find good people on Fiverr. That's fantastic. If they, if they do a good job, then keep going. They might ask a friend or a colleague, and that's a great way to find a good editor is just get recommendations from people who also have editors. Of course, the number of people that they would recommend is very limited. It's going to be the person they work with. So there might be a better editor out there for you, and one podcast editor might be really good at just the ums and ahs and making the audio sound good, while another one is really skilled at crafting a narrative podcast, completely different skill sets. But my favorite way is to post what's called a job opportunity. That's something I created. I've got a Facebook group with over 6,600 podcast editors in there now, 
and I've got the Podcast Editor Academy, which is the people who are serious about making this a profession. It's a membership site where they, they have – we have education materials. We have sales scripts. We have office hours. We've got all kinds of resources in there for these people. These people are serious. So when somebody comes to me and says, hey, Steve, I'm looking for an editor, I say go to the site. There's a video there. Explains how the process works, and if I have enough time, I'll explain it to you at the end of the session. But it's basically you create a Google form or any kind of an online application. You give me that link. I post it to the Academy, and people will submit to you through that form. That way you never go into a Facebook group, raise your hand, and get pinged by 80 people saying, I'll do it, uh, or DM me, or I'll DM you. Who has that kind of time? You don't have that kind of time. That's why you're hiring a podcast editor. It's at stevestewart.me slash find an editor that shows you exactly the process. Now, how do you hire a podcast editor? The last slide was how do you find one? This is how you hire one. So you create a Google form. You ask questions in this form. And I'm going to give you some questions, some ideas, what to uh, what to ask. If, if we don't get to it on the slides, it's on that page, stevestewart.me slash find an editor. Uh, review the submissions that you get through the Google form or whatever process you're using. Uh, Typeform, I think, is one of them. Interview the applicants that you think fit, best fit what you're looking for, the ones who answered the questions the best, and then enter into an agreement. That's you hire them. Uh, they may have a contract. It's, it's interesting that you're hiring somebody, but they're going to have a contract to work with you, um, or you just have some kind of a written agreement in email, and that might all be all you need. Uh, but once you enter an agreement, you've got an editor. It's fantastic. The process starts there takes the time and the headache away from you. There's going to be a learning curve between the two of you, figure out how to communicate, how things work. But then once things get flowing, I really sometimes only get to talk to my clients about once a week, and that's through email because things are flowing. They're busy. They're doing their thing. I get the information. I pr produce the episode. Hey, it's all set. Great. Thanks, Steve. And then we're on to the races. Here's some of the questions to ask a contractor because a podcast editor is going to be a contractor. They're not an employee of yours. They're a contractor. Email, you're going to ask for their email address. you got to have their email address. Their name, of course. How many episodes do they produce in a typical month? That's really important because if they're just doing one a week, you know, for a month, it might just be their own show. Is that really a professional podcast editor? Maybe. But if they're doing eight a month, well, now you know you've got somebody who is sitting down in front of their DAW, they're working on this on a regular basis, and they're doing the production constantly. They're, they're working hard at it. Uh, what's their turnaround time? You know, how fast can they get the job done? I know a lot of podcast editors who are now saying, you need to get the files to me seven days in advance. I, I don't have the guts to ask that of my clients, <laughs> but I do have a, a statement or a, a policy now. It's three business days. They've got to get me the files three business days in advance so that the production process works. Last-minute submissions is just the worst. It just throws everything off the rails. It's just like if your boss came to you you know, if you've seen Office Spaces, hey, yeah, we'd like to have you come on in on Saturday and work. No, that's not cool. Get the get the uh, you know turnaround time, their rate or their quote. How much are they going to charge you for the amount of work that you need to have done? You may not get a very good answer in an application because there's a lot of variables that play into that. But it's nice to ask, what is it that you know you charge for a 60-minute recording, uh, and it's not narrative or anything like that. And is the quote based on the hours that you work or is the rate quote that they're giving you? Is it based on the project? That's a very important question. And then ask for a before and after sample. 
And actually, what I call it is an after and before sample. Because if you get the after sample, you can hear it the way it goes out in the public. And then when they play you the before, you're like, holy moly, that was horrible. <laughs> I like the first one better. That shows you that they've got some skills. So if you can ask for that, that's fantastic. And a professional podcast editor should have some samples to provide you. Questions to ask your applicant during the interview. So now you've, you've gotten the submissions back. You picked out two, three, maybe four people to talk to, maybe just one. Ask them. How long is the quote good for? They've given you a quote. Are they going to up the rates on you in two months? You need to find that out. How often are the invoices cut? Meaning how often will they invoice you? We talked about that earlier. Is it per episode? Is it per month? How does that work? What if there's extra episodes? You might want to do an extra episode. I'll tell you what, March 2020, I had a lot of people changing things and adding extra episodes, as you can probably imagine. Or if they go on hiatus, guess what? March 2020, I had some shows go on hiatus. And what does that do? So ask that question ahead of time before it comes up. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. Uh, no show, Steve. What, what happens then if they're on a monthly plan? Uh, and that drives us right into the next bullet point, vacations. What if you go on vacation as, as the podcaster? What if the editor goes on vacation? Who's going to produce the show? If you need to have it done while they're gone, what happens? Ask these questions ahead of time. During the interview is fantastic, a fantastic time to ask. Uh, coaching. Is that included? I mean, I give all my clients at least 30 minutes of coaching a month. Most don't take me up for it. Um, and then I'll do a quarterly check-in. But is there anything like that involved in the editing, or is it just straight up, all I do is edit? How long are the project or the session files kept? That's another question that most people don't think about. There's the original recordings that you upload to Dropbox or whatever, but what about the session files? Because maybe you want to go back later and change out a promo, a, uh, you know, a, a, a mid-roll ad or something like that. Maybe you, uh, maybe your guest came back and said, hey, you know what, that didn't sound right to me. Uh, I didn't like the answer I gave. Can you take it out? Okay, well, the session files are going to come in handy to give to your editor. And then are there other ways they can help you to grow your podcast, your business, your audience, your influence, whatever it is? Ask them that question. They may not, that's a question they'll probably say not really, but at least you, you've asked the question during the interview, and that's going to help you to decide if this person's really going to be helpful to you or just they're going to you know, show up and edit the files and you know, send you on your way. What does not hiring an editor cost? There's a cost to not hiring an editor, and I actually did an evaluation and uh, crunched some numbers. So, of course, we know it's going to cost you three to eight hours per episode to produce, so that's four to eight hours a week you know, that you're spending working on stuff. With your podcast, how much of that is, is that you're not going to reclaim by hiring out the work? If 50% of that time of the three to eight hours or 48 hours a week is editing, you're going to be spending two to four hours sitting in front of your computer editing audio. Or you're not going to do it at all, and then your, your show's just not going to be as polished as it could be. In the first 12 episodes, I evaluated the cost of software and the opportunity cost of you making, let's just say you make 20 bucks an hour, you know, 20 bucks an hour times two or four hours a week, what does that you know come out to? So if your first 12 episodes, if you had to pay for the software and the opportunity cost that you miss out of doing anything else besides editing, it comes out to be about 1119 bucks. And when I did the math on some averages, you didn't spend that much more hiring a podcast editor to do those 12 episodes. And maybe we'll get to that if I have the time. In fact, let's talk a little bit about prices because that's probably what's on your minds now. I say the best for last, right? What does an editor charge? A 2020 survey that I did with Mark Deal, he's in the chat right now, 
the 2020 survey, we said, hey, podcast editors, professional editors who edit for other people, here's your scenario. You get 60 minutes of audio from your client. What do you charge? And within that, you get noise reduction, the volume leveling, they cut out the ums. So they're doing the same type of work. It's not like we're doing a creative narrative podcast. We're just doing an interview show with a couple bumpers or whatever. Fully produced, mixed down to MP3, what would you charge to do that? So we surveyed people in 2020. We averaged everything out. We had a lot of great uh, information there. This is what it came out to be. The, the average range came out to be about $50 to $200, but the average was $133 for a 60-minute episode. That's what you could expect someone to charge you to produce a show. Now, you might have um, somebody who do it cheaper. Maybe they're getting started out. When I first started out, I was making about half minimum wage when I crunched out the numbers. I was charging like 40 bucks for a 60-plus a minute recording that really needed some editing help, and it was costing me a lot of time <laughs> to produce a show. But now I've got my skills and, and you know improvements and and I've got better software now, too. I've got this thing called RX, which just is a magic unicorn in the space. It's fantastic. So the average right now, 133 bucks. It's going up every year by a few bucks. So if you're going to hire an editor, lock them in now. You know? <laughs> but the big thing is you're, gonna, you're less likely to pod fade. That's a big deal because if you don't have somebody editing for you and you're spending all that time yourself, you're more likely to quit because you're just not getting you're, – you're putting a lot of effort into your show, and it's not all coming back to you. Whereas if you have somebody there who's expecting your files to show up and is, you know, getting the show produced for you on time and it's sounding better and you're able to spend more of your time focused on marketing, promotion, getting the good guests, things like that, then you're less likely to quit. And that's a big deal in this space. That's a big deal in podcasting. People pod fade for, you know, all kinds of reasons. But that is the outsourcing that you would do when hiring out for a podcast editor to do the work for you. I'm going to go ahead and recommend again, if you want to use that process, go to stewstort.me slash find an editor. There's a video on there. You can watch it there. I explain kind of what I said here. This is where you go. Uh, you go create a Google form. I post it in the Facebook group where I post it in the Academy first, uh, you know, and you can then sub, you know, go through all the submissions. So all you do is you create the form, you send it to me, sit back, wait for the applications to come in, Download the CSV file or however you want to review the submissions and then pick out the ones you like the best. That is how you're going to find an editor interview to hire and to work with to improve your podcast, keep you podcasting longer, and impact the world with your show. I'm going to bring back in Erica and have her uh, take me out. Right, Erica? Hey, Stuart. Thank you so much. You know what? That's one of the biggest problems of podcasters because not everyone is really, you know, into editing. And I think um, making content is really different from editing your content. And, um, your, your, uh, talk was really helpful actually for me too yeah. as a podcaster myself. So if you have more questions for Stuart with regards to editing your podcast or finding yourself an editor, you may hop in in the hop in platform and, you know, go to the session button and ask him questions for 10 minutes. All right. Thank you so much, so much, Stuart. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. 
book a call at www.kangaroofern.com www.kangaroofern.com